Okay, um, we, we, we left off the end of last week, um, right in the middle of, of uh, two, two in Yanam, I guess. We left off right in the middle of the, 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 the fight about bringing music and musical instruments into Shul in Hamburg in 1819, and we left off in the middle of looking back and analyzing what music in the Beis HaMikdash looked like. And I want to bring those two things back together again, but we'll go, we'll, we'll elaborate on each one of those two, two points a little bit further. Okay, so we spoke last week, the, the rough draft of the fight was that in, in 1819 or 1818, the shul opened in Hamburg and had several innovations. And one of the most noticeable innovations was that they brought an organ and an organ player and a choir into the shul to make music and to make the davening more pleasant. Now, um, a sefer was put out against it, uh, written, you know, all the chuvas from different gedolim. We, we read some of them last week, and a rebuttal was put out from the other side. We read some of that last week. So now, I just want to just finish fleshing that out for us. In, in Sidkas Noyga, we spoke about that the, the main meshiv kilu, the main person who was doing the, li- the heavy lifting to prove that singing and song and musical instrument and shul is a maila, was uh, the rav of Arad, of Aaron Charan. We spoke about him. Now, I just wanted to point that in a kudu item. Aaron Charan wrote and talked and behaved like a regular rav, meaning his tshuva is written in, in rabbinic terms and he collects different source material and different marmakaymas that would indicate that his position is correct. Now, in, in Tzidkas Neige, they also found, they also wrote to two Rabbanim in Italy. One is, um, his name was Rav Shemtov of Livorno, Shemtov of Leghorn. They wrote to him and he wrote them back a tshuva about the meaning of singing in his shul. And they wrote to a second Rav in Italy, because it seems that in Italy, at that time, it was already common to have singing and instruments in shul during davening. And they felt that that could be used as a source, like a, 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 somewhere to learn from that that should be in our shuls also. That's one source they found. Additionally, they found a second source. There was a shul in Prague that seemed to have a minig. Kabbalah Shabbos only became popular, let's say, I don't know, four or five or 450 years ago. Kabbalah Shabbos became popular 450 years ago, let's say, and in Prague, there was a shul where the minig was to, to sing it in. That it's possible they had instruments. There's a story that's like, a, there's a legend with the Gailam. I'll just, I'll just say it very quickly, really, it's a, it's a digression, but there's a legend that in, in certain shuls in Prague, the minig was to do Mizmer Shir, Liam Shabbos, two times. They would do Mizmer Shir, Liam Shabbos once with music, then they would complete Kabbalah Shabbos, and they would do Mizmer Shir again without, without music. A Shabbos dikim Mizmer Shir, like a Vachat dikim Mizmer Shir and a Shabbos dikim Mizmer Shir. And, and the, the reason that's given for this is um, because once, supposedly, the, go- the morale forgot to take out the petek from the goylem, and the goylem, when Shabbos came, was all out of whack. So they did a hataras nadarim on the early Shabbos that they made, and they, the morale quickly went and straightened out the goylem, and then they did Mizmashir again to, to, to start Shabbos. And because of that, it became the minute to do two Mizmashirs, one like a vachadik Mizmashir, which could be accompanied by music and song, and one Shabbos dik Mizmashir. Now this is rather brought down in the Buchacha in Shulchan Aruch, on the back of the Eishel Avram in Shulchan Aruch, the Buchacha brings this down, this, this two Mizmashirs in Prague, not with all the stories connected to it, it's, it's a legend that might have to do with this, but Al Kapanim, 
So it's really a toast because the music in the shul in Prague wasn't the Altanai shul, it wasn't the morale shul. It's a different shul, it's a different small shul in Prague that had music for Kabbalah Shabbos. But it was like upon him looked at as a source that maybe music in shul was a maila. These were the sources that the, the, the Sefer Tzidkas Neiga and, and these Chuvas brought down to prove that music in a shul is a good thing. It, it has precedent, it's been done before, and it's a maila. Now, the Chsim Sefer and the Ramad Chavanet and the Rebbe etc. all felt that these, these rights were no shaykhs. And the Chsim Sefer is the most mayrch about it. And it, he eventually takes all his Chuvas that he, that he published in, 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 the, in the Sefer and puts them in Chelik Vav of Chuvas Chsim Sefer where he goes through very thoroughly, like dismantling every piece of that, of that puzzle, where he, he basically says, first of all, uh, we don't have any precedent for this. This is not something we do, even if they did this in the Beis HaMikdash, that was then, this is now. He says, Beis, you went and you, you went to Italy to find Rabbanim who you could talk to. You found one shul in Prague. He says, we have Rabbanim. Talk to your own Rabbanim. Why are you going? He brings Kamarayas. You're not even allowed to ask a Shailah to Rav who lives... Uh, a thousand miles away. Why asking child to Rav lives a thousand miles away? You have a Rav right here. Ask your Rav your own child, and whatever they say is what you should do. Slumsaver is Meirich and Meirich, and, and eventually what happens is as follows. Slumsaver had a, a friend, let's call it. His name is Ramesh Mintz. He was another big Rav in Hungary. Um, he's less famous for some reason than, let's say, Slumsaver and Rabbi Assad, and, you know, he's less famous, I think, because his chuvis weren't reprinted or weren't as, you know, whatever. But Ramesh Mintz was a, was a, a true Gadol or Slumsaver's compatriot. And he was the person <coughs> from amongst the Rabbanim in Hungary who had the most shaykhs to Baron Kharan, to the Rav of Arad, because he had given him a haskama on his original svarim, you know, years ago. So the Chesim Sefer writes, and this is all in the Chuvah, the Chesim Sefer writes to Ramesh Mintz that your Talmud, your, your pseudo-Talmud has strayed, he's went off the rails, and uh, you have to get him back. I need you to pull him back from the brink. And the Chesim Sefer, the Ramesh Mintz writes back to the Chesim Sefer that I'm, I'm extremely busy, I'm going to try, and the Chuvah comes back. With Ramesh Mintz writing that, uh, you know, I feel bad about this and I have Harata, how this all played out. And then on the end of it, there's a Nisbach where he has a letter. He's, I'm saying, I'm going to quote to you Rabbi Aaron Kharan's response. And Rabbi Aaron Kharan says, I'm, uh, I didn't realize all the damage that my position would cause. And I pull back my position. And uh, everyone should do whatever Kashayiru, whatever the Gedele Amarim say to do. Hawakilu, big win. They got Rabbi Aaron Kharan to, re, to recount his, uh, his position. And Elchim Seifer, in his next letter to, that he sent out to Tequila in Hamburg, he publishes his opinion together with Rabbi Aaron Chazara. He attaches that to the Chazara. The problem is that Rabbi Aaron Chazara was a four-page long tshuva essentially sticking up for himself and saying why well, he's really right and didn't do anything wrong. But if it's going to get you very angry, then I'm willing to be chazer and say whatever you want. And the Chazim Seifer just takes the part that says, I'm willing to back down and change my position, and prints that attached to his shuvah. Now, Aaron Kharan was very insulted by this. He felt it was a misrepresentation. He writes, a grace that Toyez Seifer happened. It's a play on Lachim Seifer's last name. A grace that Toyez Seifer took place. Lachim Seifer published my tshuva, you know, only a little bit of it. He edited my tshuva. And mainly he publishes his entire tshuva, which is like a non-Chazara Chazara for everyone to see. And Lachim Seifer was, that, that, that was the end. That was the, that was the end that Lachim Seifer felt it was over with him. And the next bunch of tshuvas, and for the next bunch of years, the Chum Sefer is always looking to cut him down to size. That this is just a crazy thing. I just want to, I want to just read a few. In years later, the, the Rabbanim kept making like tumult in his kehila in Arad that this is not a rav. You can't have this as a rav. You need a new rav. You got to get a new rav. This is a, this is a reformer. This is someone who wants to change everything. That they, they created a separate kehila, like a knockoff kehila in, in Arad, and they made a big fight and they were talking about firing him. Now, he was unhappy about that, and he asked for a Moshe Bezdin. They were going to have a Bezdin that was going to consist of 
Moshe Mintz, Yismach Moshe, the first Satmar Rebbe, but he wasn't, he wasn't the Satmar Rebbe yet, but the Yismach Moshe, who will later be known as the first Satmar Rebbe, Satmar Rebbe, and uh, I forget who the third Dayan is, and they're going to don who's correct. Is, is he a reformer or is he not a reformer? At the last minute, um, Ramosha Mintz pulls out of it. See, uh, and Aaron Haran, fearing that he has no sympathetic voice on the Bezdin anymore, no one who's going to be able to understand where he's coming from, decides not to go. And they release their terms, anyhow, of what they'd like him to do in order to, to settle this matter. And the terms are, the Chansever quotes it, he says the terms are what they'd like from him is um, they want him to, to stand up in front of his kehillah and renounce all his drasha shaldaifi, saying that he's chayzeh from all his positions. And also they would like la'akir gamas haroish v'azakin tisfil l'hachris mi'itam, etc., etc. He wants them to, they want to force him to shave all the hair on his head and his beard. Meaning to show that your ice rav, your ice person of influence for us, Sefer says what the Bezdin was looking to have, is for him to shave all the, all, the head, all the hair on his head and his beard. This is what they want from him. Azah, like knas, azah, to, to, to put him out of business. Now, for obvious reasons, he did not accept this knas. And, and he goes on and eventually, whatever, he's the Ravanara, there's two kilos, and eventually he dies. But, Stam, there was like a movement uh, amongst different chachamim, uh, chikrim, whatever, who felt that Aaron Kharan was like a, well, like a kam-kam reformer. He wrote like a rav, he talked like a rav, Everything is Marmakimus, everything's a sugya. It's like a little reformer. He wasn't worthy of all the of all the fight and all the you know hullabaloo <coughs> about him. Now there's a guy who uh, put together an article. His name is Pale. He wasn't worthy because he was good. Because he was bad, a good good enough guy. He wasn't like there's real reformers, the people who didn't care about the Tayyar Bakhlal, who said halach is irrelevant, who said everything's irrelevant. So there's a guy, a guy, a professor, a guy Pale, who put together an article, I read it, just very interesting. Where I don't even know if he's religious, this guy. He says, he quotes like all the reform scholars who say that, listen, Aaron Kharan wasn't really reform enough to fight with. Like, this is not the thing. And then he goes and shows, he does like a sikor through all his svarim. And he shows, he just pulls out from early svarim, even before the Chesim found him, <coughs> different opinions that he has. Like some of them are, for example, like innocuous things, like you don't need to wear a yarmulke. Or Shabbos doesn't really need to be on Shabbos, it could be on Sunday. He's not saying that Lemaisa, but he has shitas and opinions that it could be like that. Or that a yid could play music in a base haknesses with with a shinoi. It's important enough to play music in the base in the shul on Shabbos. A yid could do it with a shinoi. The guy finds a tremendous amount of very very extreme positions, and he says he was worthy of the of the of the fight that the gedolei rabbanim in Hungary put up against him. Later on, the Maratzchias, like in, in 1850 or 1840, when all this fight, all this dust had settled, and he goes through all the tainus on these early reformers, his primary tain on Rabbi Aaron is this, is that you came looking like a rav and talked like a rav with Mar and with Chuvis, and essentially you're as bad as everybody else. That was Gufa, his taina. So <clears throat> he's an interesting character who lived his life from, died from, wrote from, but essentially was a grace of reformer. So now... So now, what, what, the reason why we were talking about this was for the music element of it. So last week we ended off that the Maram Banet in his tshuva about this, the Maram Banet says that, I, you're going to tell me that in the Beis Hamikdash they sing, so it's a raya that singing in Chulsh is, is a mila, it's a good thing. Says the Maram Banet, singing in the Beis Hamikdash, he brings rayas from the Gemara and Erechen, Iker it wasn't a musical production, it was trap, it was nusach, he says. Just like the Shira Sayam that we say, that we, 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 we lay in Parsha Shira, Bears no resemblance kamat to what we would call music. Right, Hagam, if you understand music, probably it's a spectrum. And meaning any melody or any like, 
any little you know, intonation or melody that you put into the words is somewhat musical, and that spectrum could continue all the way to real you know, musical productions. But the music that was done in the Mesa Mikdash was not a real musical production. It was just trap, nusuch, and male. There's nothing to learn from there that there's a value to having music in a shul. Now, Rav Chaim Kenevsky, in his Sefer, Derech Chachma, um, the first, it's, it's the only volume that he put out on, on Kliya Mikdash. He started a series that he never finished. Um, yeah, he started a series that he never finished. And uh, I'll just... Uh, Yankel had uh, someone in his house, a really old man, a big Talmud of Chaim Kenevsky. And uh, he, he told us that people used to ask of Chaim that it's, it's like a huge Aveda for Klal Yisrael that you didn't put out the rest of the, of the Derech Chachma on, on Aved Zvez Mikdash. Chaim told him that at the time that I could be putting out the Derech Chachma, I spend writing letters, answering letters to people. And uh, that's the real Harbatsa Satera. That's how I'm being Muramian people and it's worth it. So Chaim prioritized <coughs> writing all these letters to you know, the hundreds of people that he's writing to every day instead of this. But Al Kaponim, in the Sefer, in Hilchus Kliya Mikdash in Perek Gimel, is where the Rambam brings down the din of, of the musical in, instruments in the Mesa Mikdash. So the Rambam says, he talks about Shevet Levi. He says, Avoid the was to be shown in the Beis HaMikdash and to sing in the Beis HaMikdash. Then he says, Halacha Dalad, Ubemahim Menagnim. With what did they sing? He says, Binevalim, Vechalilim, Kinairis, Chatzaitzris. He brings a list of the instruments. Then he brings, Bimei Amoyedis, the Yam Tevim, that they would have additional instruments with Katim Vechatzaitzris, Shoifris, and Shoifris. And then he brings the, the din that served as Kilu, the big Raya for the Shilte Giburim that we said last week. You know, that music that was real music. This is the Ramam. The Ramam says, a Ben Levi does not come into the Beis HaMikdash to start his Avaidah, the Avaidah of Shir, until he learns for five years. So there's a steer in the Psukim. One Pasuk says a Levi starts at 25, and one Pasuk says a Levi starts at 30. The Yishev Astir is, he enters Levi school at 25, and he doesn't begin his service as Shiris in the Beis HaMikdash until he's 30 years old. So brings of Chaim Kenevsky in his beer halachavir. It says as follows: He brings the Kesef Mishnah, which is what the Shilte Egiburim quoted. Also, he brings the Kesef Mishnah that says that the reason why they needed five years of school was because they had to learn music because shachachma samuzika is 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 very difficult, and they had to learn that. As like the Kesef Mishnah says of Chaim, "Bitzarachi and minalezeh." Where does he know this from? He says, "Then he the mavur that the that the that the Levium used instruments and that singing." If you had a, a, something wrong with your voice, it's a psal in being a levy because a levy has to be able to sing. He says, but mistavra uh, <coughs> gamla What they were doing was is they were reading it with taimim. The taimim mikra that we have is the punctuation of the words of the Torah. Punctuation gives you the understanding, meaning how you punctuate a word, it can mean many different things. So the punctuation that they were adding to the words was how people knew what they were saying. Gives you the taich. He says, that's piece of time in Vechem Lenadarim. It says, the Gemara says, Vayevinu Bamikra, the Klaus understood Bamikra, zu piece of time in. Then he brings a Ritva in Yuma that uh, yeah, he continues, he continues, but Aval, he says, he brings many writers. He says, you don't find anywhere in any of the sources that describe how the Levim were singing in the Mesamikdash that they had to sing Binagunim, Bechlaw. He says, okay, it's, it's very written, very Rechaim, with many, many Gemaras. It's hard to read in, in, in a not choppy, choppy Eifin, but Rechaim brings many Rias that L'chaira, the singing that was going on in the Beis Mikdash, bore no resemblance to how we would perceive singing in our mind. It wasn't singing a song. It was singing like Trap, Nusuch, 
Maybe possibly similar to like our Nasuch for Kaddish or for Kol Nidre or for, I mean, there are uppers. It doesn't have to all be downers. We can take happy things that we have Nasuch for. Birchas Kayinim has a Miyuchadik and Nasuch, meaning many things that have a Nasuch that's, that's unique. Says Rav Chaim, potentially the Nasuch in the Beis HaMikdash, when they said Asher Shalavim HaYoyimrim, was very similar to that. It was a Nasuch. Now he does bring a Meiri that's Mashma, not like him. But Rav Chaim ends off that he says, we don't have a Raya that the shear, the shear that the Leviim engaged in in the Beis HaMikdash was anything more than just Nosuch, very much like, like the Maram Banet. Now, I think in our uh, collective uh, consciousness, nobody thinks of the Beis HaMikdash and thinks that they were seeing that the, the shear Shalavim Ayyemim <coughs> with, you know, a, a whole set of musical instruments, even if it's not as many as, as uh, Rabbi Avram of Port Leon said last week, even if it's not as many as the Shilte Yagibarim says, and even if the choir is not as intricate and it's not as beautiful as he made it out to be, nobody assumes it to be that they were just doing azyashit uh, together or trap like that together. We all, I think, in our minds see it as something a little bit more musical, a little more magical than that. So, so, uh, <coughs> so first of all, I need to tell you that, that, that uh, the Shilta Gibberim is not the only person who says that. I mean, even though Rav Chaim is saying like this and the Rambanet is saying like this, the Shilta Gibberim is not a das yachid when he says that the music in the Mesa Mikdash was a beautiful musical production. Yaakov Emden says it also, the Pasa Shalchan seems to say it also. There's many other Svarim who say as well that the music of the Mesa Mikdash was a, musical, was a musical production. But I think the place where we really see it shine is in the, in the Chesid Shevelt. Now, I do have to be makdim that we have no, no song that we have a direct Messiah Kilu that for thousands of years everyone knew that this was a song that came from the Beis HaMikdash. But in the Chesid Shevelt, there are many, many songs that, that uh, some of the Gedele, the Gedele, the biggest rabbis said, come from Beis HaMikdash. And those were regular songs. They were songs the way we think of songs. And, and that might be where some of this um, idea of the Beis HaMikdash being, you know, a proper singing production comes from. Now, the, the, there's a famous one. The, this is like the earliest one. There's a famous one. The Baal Shem Tev was once walking. And uh, he was walking in a field with his Talmidim. And he heard a shepherd whispering a song, uh, you know, humming a song as he herded his sheep through the field. And the Baal Shem Tev walked over to him and he said, uh, please, if I, could, if I could listen to that song one time. And uh, the Baal Shem Tev gave him a coin and the shepherd played the song for him. The Baal Shem Tev loved it. The Shem Tev said, here, I'll give you another coin. Can you play it for me again? And the shepherd started playing it again, but this time it was, it was choppy. He couldn't, couldn't play it with the knack. The Shem Tev said, that, that wasn't good. Here, I'll give you another coin. Play it for me a third time. And this time the, the, the shepherd boy puts the flute to his mouth and nothing comes out. Hashem walks away with his Talmidim and he tells them, we were zeichet to do the mitzvah of Pidin Shvui now. This was a song that was from the Beis HaMikdash, this is part of the Shiraz HaLavim. When the Beis HaMikdash got destroyed, certain songs got dispersed and we were paid to this song from its gallus. We brought the song back from its gallus. Its, its now this is brought down in many, many chesidish svarim, this, this story. And chayin v'chayin rabbis, I'll tell you, I'll share more of them, but let me just say, uh, okay, so there's two of them that are very, that are very cool to me, so I'll say these two. The, in, in Chabad... Can we sing some of them? Can we sing some of them? So I don't know this one, but in Chabad, I'll tell you, in Chabad there's a book, there's a sefer called Eitzah HaNagunim. It's three volumes long, a three-volume sefer, with tremendous amount of dikonus and provenance to every song that Chabad sings. Chabad spends a... a they really, really did the work Kilo, to, to authenticate their songs. And in there, there's three songs for the Amun Eroim. I forget their number... Somewhere in the 90s, there's three songs for the Yom Neroim. And the story with them is as follows. The Tzemach the, Tzedek said over as follows. That these are called, that's a Yiddish word for them, I don't, I don't remember now. But these are called the Altenagunim, these songs are called, these three songs. And the Tzemach Tzedek said over, there's a Messiah in Chabad as follows. That 
hundreds of years ago, there was a Grace Sarah for Klal Yisrael, and the Maral of Prague understood that if he could unlock some of the Nagunim from the Beis HaMikdash and bring them back for people to daven them in Shul, that would be the help, the, 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 the schos that Klal Yisrael needed. So he davened that Hashem should be Megala to him, some of the songs, some of the Shiri HaLevim from the Beis HaMikdash, and Bechaloim, these three songs came to him, and Chabad took these three songs, and they used them, Alpimaseira, in the Yom Neiram. And they're called the Altenagonim. These Altenagonim come from, from, from uh, the Maralmi Prague, supposedly. And, and, and because he got them from the Shir Salavim, is why they're so valuable to, to, to the Yom Neiram. Ad Kedekach, that uh, one, of the, one of the Rebbe's children once tried to sing these, not on Yom Neiram, and his father stopped him, and he said, you know, these songs, they, they do amazing things, and these songs are only for the times that they're supposed to be sung. So in Chabad, they have that version of this, uh, of this uh, Shira Salavim. Now, there's a third one, which is uh, amazing. The, the Minchas Elazar, in his drushes, in one of his farm drushes, brings something that he says he heard from the Debri Chaim, from the Tanzirov, and it goes as follows. He says, and this is, this is, this is very interesting, he says, in the Beis HaMikdash, aside from the Shira Salavim, the Shira Shir Shir Yoyim, that it was the prescribed singing, so he says, that took a few minutes, right? After the Talmud, it would take a few minutes, they would do a quick uh, rendition of the Shir Shal Yoyim. Talmud Shabbat Abayim, another quick rendition of the Shir Shal Yoyim. He says, the Levim would stand around in small groups with their instruments and singers. And he says, when a person would come into the Mesa Mikdash, and he would say, I'm here because I was Mechal Shabbos B'Shegig. I need to bring a chatas. I'm here because I was Mechal Shabbos B'Shegig. He'd come in, and they'd judge him. They'd look at him, and they'd see, does he really feel bad? Or is he just, you know, doing what he's supposed to do? And if they if they saw that he didn't really feel bad, the Levim would begin to play sad, like a Nagunim that Ma'ur Lechuva. They would play sad Nagunim that Ma'ur Lechuva, and they would watch until it took the effect on the person. And when he'd be broken down properly, sufficiently to the point where he was ready to bring his carbon with the proper, you know, Kavanas uh, and intensity, the music would shift. And it would move on to the second movement, a happier movement. But okay, now we're going to, to do that with the Kavanas, Besimcha. And then when the the Avedis HaKamanus would be complete, they'd shift to the third movement, like a Emes Maneder, a happy, you know, a boisterous, happy tune to congratulate you that you were zeichet to be mechafar in your Avera and baglait you out of the Beis HaMikdash. As I said to the and this is what the Mechaz brings down, Bishmai, that, that the Shir Zalvim was, was mamish, like, not sound like a song, like movements, and it was responsive to what the needs of the time were, and he says on Yom Tif they would do different ones, and on Shabbos they would do different ones, it was very responsive to whatever the needs of the time, it was, it was supposed to create the soundtrack, the ambiance of the Beis HaMikdash, which is a, it's a crazy thing to think about. But, but the Rechayim saying it was supposed to create a soundtrack for the Beis HaMikdash to get people in the proper mood, in the proper spirit to do what they were supposed to in the Beis HaMikdash. Now, there's many more of these um, different Messiahs. There's one, is an Oberlander song that they sing on, on uh, Moitzi Shabbos before Meiriv. There's a Nusuch they have. The Belzerov said that that comes from Beis HaMikdash. There's a, when, when, when the Rabbi Aaron of Bells lived in Tel Aviv, right after, that, right after the war, he lived next door to a shtibl, a svardi shtibl, a shtibl, you can't call it a svardi place a shtibl, a svardi shul, and... Uh, it's exactly, and then and Elul, they would start the slichus, bashmeris habayker, and Rabbi Aaron used to ask his gabbai to, to take, roll down his window, so that even though he's not saying slichus, he could listen to the nusach of slichus of the svardi kehila, because this is how it sounded in the Beis HaMikdash. 
Azayat Bar Label's Gazan. So I don't know which Eida the Svari was from, and I don't know what the Nusach of Eslichus is. We'll take credit for everything. Exactly, that's all. We'll take credit for everything that the, the Belzerov said that this was the Nusach that was done in the Beis HaMikdash. Now, Echayinu Echayinu Rabbis, there's many, many more of these different anecdotal stories and different Messiahs amongst different Hasidis and for different songs that they said came from the Beis HaMikdash. So the, the, in the Chasidish Shevel, the idea of Shirei Levim and the song from the Beis HaMikdash is clearly a song song. It means mamish a song to evoke emotions and to inspire and to think. So now, I, I was thinking about it a little bit, and really, what's the difference between, between truck and a song in our mind? What's the difference between truck and a song? L'chaira, the difference is one simple nakuda. Trap is the, is the minei bay of the words, right? Trap is the, is the punctuation. It's the minei bay of the words. It's what these words mean. Now, if you want to tell a person to remember what these words mean, so you put punctuation, you put nakudas. So that a person could know what these words mean. It's Pashat definition. It brings out the sherish of the words. Music, on the other hand, when you take a song and you attach words to it, so it's a harkava. You took a tune that essentially has nothing to do with the words. You took words that have nothing to do with the tune. You strapped them together. And a good composer and a good lyricist could make the words and the tune mesh beautifully and they sound amazing. That's the, the music. So the weakness, the chasaran of music as opposed to trap would be that. So it's not schwer that different grace of rabbis could have felt that this tune is so appropriate for these words. It so much brings out well, whatever the words that, it's, that, that you're saying is supposed to bring out, that it must have been from Shiri Elavim. It doesn't mean that they were saying, I remember Shiri Elavim, I know it's Shiri Elavim. Meaning the inherent weakness of a song that isn't Trap, that isn't Shiri Elavim, is that it's not the Ba'etzim. So a Rebbe with a finely attuned ear to Ruchnius, who knows what the words are supposed to mean and what they're supposed to evoke, and what they're supposed to bring out, could listen to it and say, this tune, this is the tune for these words. This is how a person comes to the shlemus from these words. That's uh, how, how I could think. Now, rather there are other chesidish ma'asis, let's say, uh, Rameir Primishlana was once uh, in his shul. He was the Balkair in the shul, and when people would come up, he would like comment on them before, uh, before they got their aliyah. And uh, I forgot who it was, Reb Arla, the Chayzad son, Reb Arla something, I'm sorry, the Marva Shemesh had a son, Reb Arla something, and he got called up for an aliyah by Mary Pramishlana. And Mary Pramishlana said, uh, he, was, he got called up for Levi, and Mary Pramishlana said, Alevi? And he says, Yeah, Alevi. Baruch was Hashem and he got right to the bracha. So the island afterwards went over to him, and they said, Usually the, it's a conversation with Mary Pramishlana. You don't like bolt over to the Baruch Hashem and He says, I'll tell you why. He says, My father, the Marva Shemesh, Shem, was once sitting with the Chayza by a tish, and the Chayza saying, a beautiful song that he introduced to the Tish. And he asked, he turns to my father after and he says, And my father says, yeah, so I went over to him afterwards and I asked him, My hi, what's going on? He says, The Chayza in a previous Gilgal with his man of the Mesimiktish was a Levi. And I was also a Levi back then. And the Chayza was asking me, You remember this nigga? You remember when we did this in the Mesimiktish? And I said, Yeah, Gedenkich. So says Rabbi if the Chayzer and my father remembered being Leviim, I'm not going to let Rameir Plimishlana be Ma'ur and my Leviyashaft. It's not a conversation. Echbin Alevi. I, I don't remember, but Echbin Alevi. So he says, I went straight to the Baruch. So there's, there's many, many versions of this in, in, in the Chsidish Shavelt of remembering these old Nagunim from then. Now, I just want to get to one Nakuda before that. There's a Goin. Now, so today we should only be saying Chsidish Shazachim. There's a Goin, Mipiyashmua, the Rabbi Shrol Mishklov. Put out a sefer called Pa'asa Shulchan on Zrayim. He's a grace of Talmud of the Goyen. And in the Hagdam with the Pa'asa Shulchan, he writes like a four-page piece on the Goyen. Uh, 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 
a ton of the Goyen's Talmidim in the Hakdamas and the Svarim write pieces like on the Goyen. There's a whole Sefer I have it at home of the Hakdamas to different Svarim from the Goyen's Talmidim, like all their, their pieces on the Goyen. They filled up a whole Sefer, all their Hasbedim. But in it over here, he writes as follows. He says, um, hang on. He says, My, I was with the Goyen, the Yosef Bikilik when he finished his pirush on Shir Hashirim, he was very happy. He was very delighted with the Simchas Atayir of what he did over here. The Goyen called his son and his Mechotin and he said, Close the windows, close the doors. They lit candles. When he finished his pirush, Nasa in of Lamarim, he lifted his eyes up to the Shemayim, Bidvekas Atsuma, Bibracha Vahidal, the Shemaya Gadis Barak Shemay. He said, Thank you, Takatash Barak, with great Vekas, Shazikeu, Le Hasagas, Arkal Atera, that Hashem was Mazakim to be, to, you know, have the Arkal Atera, the Pnimi Yasev, Chitisa, Koyamar, Kala Chachmas, and Srachs Ateraseno. He said as follows, All Chachmas needed for Atera Akteisha, the Kulimba, the Yadatim, okay. Then he says, For example, Chachmas Algebra and Medicine, Chachmas Musica, he, he, he very much complimented the Chachm of music. He says, The Havana of the, the, the depth of the Torah and the Shire Levi. You can't know them without knowing the, the rules of music. Without understanding music, you can't know these things. He says, and by understanding the true depth of music, a person could die from the beauty of it, the richness, the sweetness of understanding the chachm of true music. You could be mechayim mesim with the sayedis of music. Once one understands it with this. And then who Amar, he also says, He says, several songs and several midas, meaning like meter, understanding of musical meter, Moshe Rabbeinu brought down with him from our Sinai. Vahasharim were kavim. And the rest of them are built on compilations from those rules. Moshe Rabbeinu brought down several songs and several midas from, the, from, ha, from Har Sinai together with him. And, and, uh, and, t- and from there, stams all the chachmas and musica. Now this is the Goyim saying this. Now, uh, we're running out of, we're, we're, we're ran out of time. So maybe we'll revisit this at a later date because in the Goyim's Talmidim, in the Goyim's world, there's a lot more to talk about about music and about what the role of a chazan is and etc. I think next week we're not going to continue this because I want to do a little in Yonah Diyema. It's almost Purim and Adar and whatever, but we'll come back to the Goyen's perspective on music at a later date. The, the music here is... <laughs>